This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Today's episode is sponsored by Organifi, the world's best superfoods company. Use coupon code SOBERLIFE at checkout, all one word, to receive 15% off any of your Organifi purchases. Again, SOBERLIFE, coupon code 15% off all of your Organifi purchases. Check it out. Hi, this is Andy Bauman from Tom Ham's Lighthouse. I'm the chair of San Diego Restaurant Week. Please join us for San Diego Restaurant Week from September 24th to October 1st with lunches available from $10 to $20 and dinner available from $20 to $50. Visit sandiegorestaurantweek.com to see more than 180 restaurants participating in Restaurant Week. What up, guys? Hey! Welcome back. Yes, to another episode of The, the Sober Life, Life Audio Experience. Romy Rome, what up, bro? Yo, bruh, bruh. Good Dude, to see you, man. I'm so pumped today. We've got like an exciting, uh, exhilarating, like yes. super hilarious, funny guest. Yeah, the dude. Yeah. The Love man, him. the myth, the legend. Love this guy. Jordan Riker, J. Reich on the mic. What Jordan up, brother? Jordan Riker, welcome. <laughs> What's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so pumped yeah. to have you in the studio. Today. Hell yeah. Hell so yeah. good to see you. Oh my gosh. You guys should see the smile on Jordan's face right yeah. now. It would light your life up. He's like a model, right? <laughs> yeah, now. baby. Like uh, a smile model. So, right. so, Jordan, you've listened to the show a little bit. I have. I listened to uh, last week's episode with the one and only Jenna Phillips Ballard. Ooh. Ooh. Shout out JPB. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. So, uh, you know how we start? I do. Roman. So, Jordan. Yes. Question. Number one, what is your vision? My vision, my vision is to be a leader in the creation of a world where all boys and girls can grow up without resentment, live in harmony, come from a place of love, and use, use their heart as a weapon and not anything else. Dang. Wow. Love it, man. Wow. Yeah, that was good. Jordan. Question numero dos. That's uh French, right? For two? It's it's I think I believe it's Oh Spanish. 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 Okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> Number two. What do you love? Love, love, love. What do I love? What do you love, man? Hmm. I love my mom and dad. They've shout out so, mom and dad. Shout out mom and dad. They've done so much for me. They're so different. You know, my mom is a uh, controller analyzer, and my dad's like a promoter supporter. And uh, they've provided they've provided me with all sorts of different personalities, and they've provided okay. me with all sorts of different needs. Healthy balance, would healthy, you say? Healthy balance. Yeah. Nice. Ooh. There you go. Ooh. Question number three. What is one book that has greatly impacted or shaped your life? I would say One Way Relationships by Alfred Ells. And 
The book is phenomenal. Okay. It talks about okay, yeah. What's it about? An imbalance in relationships. So the book uh, allows me when I'm reading it to take a look at all my relationships in my life and in my mm-hmm. inner circle. You know, whether it's a mentor or like mom and dad. A current girlfriend or an ex girlfriend, friends, coworkers, yeah, yeah. Uh, bosses. So the people that I'm kind of stuck with, uh-huh. <laughs> and it allows me to see that um, that my relationships are kind of like a seesaw. Yeah. And so if this, if the seesaw, if 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 like we're imagining an image, let's say there's like a little fat kid at the bottom of the seesaw <laughs> and a little skinny kid at the top. Yeah. That skinny kid would like represent like the codependent in the relationship mm. and the fat kid would represent the taker always taking selfish, self-centered, like the counter dependent. Mm-hmm. And like, I've been on both sides of the seesaw mm, and like wow. prior to living the prior to reading this book and like doing the work in this book and living this book's principles, um, all my relationships were imbalanced. Mm, so okay. I was either the skinny kid at the top of the seesaw or like the fat yeah. kid at the bottom of the seesaw. So I was either selfish and self-centered or just super codependent. Wow. Wow, yeah. dude. That's a beautiful metaphor, Jordan. Dang. Thank you. Jordan, yeah. expect metaphors from Jordan. Thank- he has crazy visualizations. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Thank Alfred Ells. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Alfred. So, Jordan, hey, yeah. like, give us a little background. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, yeah, how old are you? Are you an yeah. addict or not? Like, are what you, you sober? <laughs> what's <laughs> what's going down? What's like, like, break us down. The low the down listener. dirty, bro. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yes, um, today I'm 23 years old. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, born on November 9th, 1993. Stud. Originally from Berkeley, California. I am the real deal drug addict and alcoholic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the yeah. real deal. Uh, I'd yes. say I started, uh, you know, creating chaos at a very young age. When I was seven, my parents got divorced, and mm. it was not a messy divorce, but what happened was. My mom was in this position where she was very alpha female, always working, always doing the right thing. And my dad was a drunk. Okay. And Mm. so my dad was the kind of drunk. He's an alcoholic and he's sober today. uh, Thank God. Yeah. shout Shout out Dave Riker. But my dad, you know... When he was drinking, he wasn't abusive to other people. He was abusive to himself. Uh, And so I'd stay with my mom half the time, and she had all these rules, like no junk food, no TV on school nights, no video games, just all these rules Uh to help me like set myself up for success. And then I'd go to my dad's house, play Grand Theft Auto till like midnight, (laughs) like eat copious amounts of pizza, just like absolutely no rules. Like my dad's place was where all my friends wanted to go. But what it really created with like a young, stubborn seven-year-old was like an imbalance of what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. I didn't know what was right and I didn't know what was wrong and it was very confusing. And it like showed up in my relationships where I'd like, you know, whether it's my friends or my family members or teachers, I didn't know what was right behavior and I didn't know what was wrong behavior. Mm -hmm. And it created a lot of spiritual sickness at a very young age. Yeah, that must be so confusing. So confusing. Wow. So where did uh, alcohol and drugs start to come into play? Yeah, what happened? So when I was in the eighth grade, I remember I was at a base. It was right before a baseball practice. I was uh, right next to my middle school, and my friends had a bunch of 
marijuana Ooh. and we didn't have any papers i'm like i got Devil's some bi- binder paper you know <laughs> so we rolled a freaking uh, ugly horrendous joint with binder with paper. some binder paper <laughs> it was uh it was not pretty <laughs> and uh we smoked that and I fell in love, and then I started, like, you know, carrying apples to school, asking, <laughs> oh my asking my mom for apples, apples, making sure I always had a pen on hand, yeah. poking the hole through the top, poking the hole through the side, and <laughs> bada-boom, bada-bing. What, what, what was that for, Jordan? It was, uh, I just, I had so many thoughts in my head, you know, my the egotistical part of my mind says I was so smart that I needed to calm down. But it was really, I was just so insecure and I just couldn't stop my thoughts. Yeah. And my mind would play so many tricks on me. I couldn't tell the truth from the false from a very young age, even before like the, my addiction progressed. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to shut off my thoughts. And so I would just get as high as possible. And I mean, you know, right. the first time I got drunk, um, I like completely blacked out. Wow. And that was with one of my best friends. Um, one of my best friends, Tyler, who actually passed away when I was 18 and he was 18, but he and I spent pretty much every waking moment from ages 13 to about 17 and a half together. And, you know, God bless him. But we, we, we got really high, we got really drunk and, um, that kid taught me a lot. He taught me how to love myself, how to be authentic um, wow. how to own my voice, mm-hmm. how to stand up for myself, how to fight. Mm. Um, he was like an older brother, but we also got into a lot of trouble together. And, mm-hmm. you know, the alcohol and the drinking, and I started doing cocaine somewhere later on in high school. And, uh, you know, what really took my addiction to the next level was Tyler and I had a little bit of a falling out. I transferred schools. I got in trouble at my public school. And uh, one day, it was like around the end of January 2012, Yeah, and it was like around 3 or 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and I was driving home from baseball practice, and I see Tyler in my rearview mirror, and he was skateboarding. He was like a phenomenal skateboarder. He skateboarded everywhere. He was a sponsored skateboarder. Yeah. And uh, that was the last time I ever saw him. I was thinking about pulling over to pick him up and give him a ride, Yeah. and I didn't for some reason. And to this day, I still ask myself why. Um, and later that night he got hit by a car. So he was skateboarding like down the steep hill in Berkeley. It was called Marin Avenue and he was skateboarding down the hill and there was a Prius like on the cross street corner and it had to accelerate to turn left and go up the hill and they smashed right into each other and he went into a coma and he passed away. That's horrific. And, uh, you know, I felt like a fraud, like at the funeral, like I, I loved him and I knew he loved me and everyone knew that. And I spoke at this funeral. I mean, he was loved by so many, there were like 700 people there and wow. I spoke his eulogy. But the reason I felt like a fraud is because I just felt so guilty. Like, what if I was there in his life? Mm. You know, what if I was more present as a friend? Mm. What if wow. I had picked yeah. him up that day? And that's when my addiction really escalated and I just developed the case of like, whatever, you know, like I'm just going to live life like there's no tomorrow. And I started doing cocaine. Well, like, not only every that, night. but then you ended up going to San Diego State. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And, 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 like not long after that event happened. You're right. right. And, and didn't you yeah. join what? A fraternity? a fraternity. That's right. Wow. You think that accelerated it, it even accelerated more? It accelerated it. That's I mean, like the perfect place. 
yeah. for an alcoholic drug addict. Right? Oh, yes. oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Frat life. It was, you know. And uh so what did what was that about? What what fueled you to join a fraternity? You know, I just wanted to hang out with as many women as possible and just uh <laughs> you know, I was eighteen year old, I was a punk and yeah. uh I liked cocaine. I liked methamphetamines and I just like to snort things up my nose and I wanted to be hanging out with people. Yeah. Who I could be like, you know, one of my favorite mentors is Tony Robbins. And he said this really powerful thing recent. I was watching a video of his recently and I identified it with it so well. He said, we like, we like people who are like us or how we like to be. Yeah. And we don't like people who we're not like, or how we don't want to be. So if I'm like active in my addiction and my alcoholism and like every time I put like a sip of alcohol or put like a single drug, yeah. whether it's pot or like cocaine into my body and I can't stop the craving from occurring and I just completely obliterate myself. Like I want to hang out with other people who are like that. Yeah. yeah. So like I joined like one of the craziest fraternities. I'm not going to say which one it is, you know, for their protection. That's <laughs> 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 San Diego State. And we just went ape shit like yeah. every single oh night. God. Like I never thought Wednesdays were fun and we'd have wine Wednesdays and I'd black out. And then there's Taco Tuesday and Thirsty Thursday. Yeah. And I thought I couldn't make it to Friday. But sure enough, it's Friday night, 1 a.m. And I'm like hanging out at Senior Ponchos in the corner of uh, <laughs> College in Montezuma, yeah. pounding a California burrito. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Shout out Senior Ponchos. <laughs> yeah, and just like so chaotic. And I, I guess I just wanted to belong, you know, and I was hanging out with these kids Whoa. who I was pledging with, and I was hanging out with like all, wanted, these, all these frat stars, right, you know? Right. Wanted, absolutely chaotic. Yeah. So, so what happened? Because you're like – it's really accelerating. Like you're, you're really going overboard. It's fun at first, yeah. but like what happened? Cause I know, uh, you got sober young, dude. How yeah. old were you when you got sober? I got sober officially when I was 20. So, uh, 20 years old. So yeah. like what? It's like wow. second year in college. So you know? yeah, this is what happened. So when I was 19, I was dating this girl named Katie and, uh, she had to move back up to Portland to go, you know, finish school at Portland state. Mm -hmm. So out of like depression and feeling lonely and like detoxing some of the drugs that her and I were doing together, I decided it would be a good idea to go to a rave mm. and just not thinking I snorted about 10 pills worth of Molly. Oh wow. Yeah. And that's, it was, uh, it was, that's the, not good. It was not good. And, uh, I, I define it as like the most euphoric and worst day of my life, mm -hmm. like all in one. Like I yeah. like everything was like amazing, and I started coming down, and I overdosed. I went to the hospital. My dad came. They rushed me to like a detox center, and like wow. I was in this psych ward for like twenty something days. You know, I was wow. completely insane. And I went to a rehab after that, and then. um you know, shortly after getting out of that rehab, I met one of my friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, went, I met shout one of my- Shout out one of your friends. Yeah, shout out one of my friends. I met this guy who's my best friend today at an AA meeting in Ocean Beach. And uh, he kind of identified that I was being, you know, I was acting like a duck. And I love this <laughs> analogy. Like a duck is like worthless because- it's D-U-C-K. It stands for dishonest, unwilling, close-minded, and just killing themselves. And all mm. ducks do 
is go quack, 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 and they just sit in their own shit, yeah. and they don't take any action. They don't fly. They just eat your bread, and they keep quacking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I was acting like a duck, and he was kind of the first person. Of course, he was the first person to ever call me that, but he was the first person to, like, not co-sign my bullshit. Yeah. And so wow. I, w- I was like, well, screw this wow. guy. Yeah. Didn't take his suggestions. And then, of course... uh one of my best friends who was in a different fraternity who I partied with nightly, you know, overdosed and died. Mm. And I felt guilty. I'm like, how does he make it and not me? And then like the insane thing is instead of, you know, being motivated to live that good way of life to not only make myself proud, but like right. my family proud and then his parents proud. Yeah. Like I helped his dad clean out his bedroom, like his dead 20 year old son's bedroom. And I'm like, I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to do this for him. I'm going to stay sober. Two weeks later, I have a bottle in my hand. Wow. And uh, that run. So, so you were, you were like, dead set on i'm gonna do this yeah i'm gonna stay sober yeah. no matter what for my homie for his pops yeah. for myself i'm gonna do this and then you didn't do that then this. i didn't do it what's and I was, that about yeah what what's it about um yeah. didn't have a relationship with god hmm. wasn't taking any action in the 12-step program i was involved in um started yeah. resting started resting on my laurels and for those listening if you don't know what a laurel is i didn't um for a while but a laurel is like a little reef cap that like the old olympians would you know they get put on their head when they get achievements so i thought i had all these achievements i was in school i was sober i was making some money and uh no spiritual action and you know one day just this insane thought came to me and you know it's it's a recurring pattern that started at the age of seven this this insane thought came to my mind that you know, I think it would yeah. be I think it would be a good idea if you at least tried to drink and control your drinking. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mine. That sounds like a great a great <laughs> fucking idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, yeah, I just uh, I remember that was a good experience for me, even though it it lasted for eight months. I knew the night I relapsed. It was around March, or it was like February 2014, and. Uh, like I was with about like seven kids in my pledge class for my fraternity and I'm like in my apartment yeah. and we're getting ready for a pregame for our wine Wednesday. And we have all these girls dressed up as bunnies coming over to our apartment and I'll never forget. I'm like at the bar and I'm like telling a bunch of people like, Hey, only four shots for me. Okay. Yeah. Only four. And like, that's something that like an alcoholic has to right. do is like tell everyone like, normal people don't do that. And I'll never forget, like, I took that shot down, and it had been, like, at least three months since I had taken a drink. So it really hit me, and uh, my tolerance was extremely low. And as soon as that shot, like, went down my stomach, and it, like, hit my bloodstream, I felt felt the allergy, like, Mm. physically. It was so, one of the scary, the scariest moment of my life, even scarier than, like, when I overdosed and was in the hospital because... I I told myself right then and there this is going to be bad. You knew. I knew like I yeah. need more. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And that was after one one little tiny frat shot. <laughs> oh my god. Dang. Yeah. So wow. so, so what, what happened? Yeah, dude, like you're you're I I hear your story I, and wow, Jordan, I'm just like Yeah. 
I'm just sitting here in awe listening, but like what, what's next? What happened? Yeah. So, um, on September 17th, 2014, the day before my sobriety date, um, a phenomenal thing happened. So I woke up at yeah. my drug dealer's house on the, on the living room, which was like a routine thing for me. Nice. Did a bunch of drugs, walked back to my fraternity and I started like guzzling champagne at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm super strung out and I'm super intoxicated. And I just looked myself in the mirror and I'm like 20 years old. I'm like a couple months away from being 21. And I was, this was like the first time in a long time where I realized that I was about to black out and I was mm. having a divine intervention with God. Wow. And I came to this, like, I was just looking myself in the mirror and I'm like, this thought crossed my mind. And I don't even think it was my thought. I think it was God speaking to me. But I, this thought crossed my mind that said, is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? Mm. Is mm. this what the rest of my life is going to be like? Like I'm either going to end up dead really young, like some of my friends. Yeah. Or I'm going to end up in an institution, mm-hmm. a okay. penitentiary system, yeah. or just like end up in a freaking insane asylum for the rest of my life. Like you said again. Yeah. 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 And so I got on my knees for the first time in my life where I was actually, I didn't quite believe in a God, but I was willing yeah. to believe. And I said, like, help me if you're there. Like, I don't know who I'm talking to. God universe whatever helped me wow and this really crazy thing happened i kept getting this like voice saying the same thing over and over to me and it was just a little message it was just like call dustin call dustin and it kept repeating and i just thought i was going insane because i was so strung out and drunk yeah and i'm like dustin like what is this thought coming to me like what does this even mean so i whip out my phone and surely enough i remember i had two Dustins in my contacts. One of them I used to do drugs with, so I'm like, delete his number. And (laughs) then there was another guy in my phone and his name was Dustin and his last name was like a 12-step program where I met him. Yeah. And so I called him and it went straight to voicemail, but for some reason, I listened to his voicemail and that voicemail changed my life. And his voicemail simply said, hey, you've reached Dustin if you're having a bad day, you can start over right now. And if anyone hasn't told you they love you today, God loves you. And so do I. And then it goes beep. And like, I just what? like hung up. <laughs> I hung up. Wow. And I started bawling my eyes out like tears of joy because uh. I think it was like the most kind and authentic and loving thing I've heard from a human being in such a long time. Yeah. And it's what I needed to hear. And it was so powerful wow. that like I threw all, I put all my drugs in the toilet and flushed them down the toilet. I got rid Dang. of all the alcohol and I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I got back on my knees. I'm like, what do I do next? And I got a command to call my friend who told me that I was a duck. Uh, <laughs> duck boy. And I announced out loud to my fraternity. I'm like, I'm getting fucking sober and no one believed me of course i'm like i'm getting sober i'm moving out of the frat like i'm changing my life and they're like yeah you said that like 30 times (laughs) Riker. but i call you know mr duck hunter (laughs) and uh you know he he basically just knew why i was calling and 
you know, I'm like, I'm, I want to go to a meeting, you know, I did drink and, and use this morning, but I am done. And I think he was a little skeptical when I first of said course. it. Of course. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? But then, uh, I went to a meeting that night and you know, my, the next day was the 18th and I've 18th of September, 2014. I've been sober ever since. And you know, what? God willing, I'll have three years in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. So what dude, Jordan, your story. I love yeah, your story. That's so, so amazing. Real quick. That voicemail, it's, it's, it's for some reason it's super familiar. Yeah, I, I just don't know why. <laughs> it's my voicemail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to make it my voicemail because yeah. I know um, I'm not sure, but I know that like there are some people where it's made a really impactful. Um, it's been very impactful on their day if they were having yeah. a bad day. But all all the goal is is that there's like one you know, man, woman, boy, girl, who was going through what I was going through, where they call me and they hear that and then that could change their life. Well, shoot, sometimes I call you and you don't answer. Uh, You know, we don't need to go into why you don't answer. (laughs) But I'll get your voicemail and I'm always pleasantly surprised. It's like a little treat. Thank you. Thank you. So, so Jordan, do you think your life got o- was over when you got sober? Yeah. Like, I mean, who wants to get sober at 20? Living like, in a frat house. I know. Being like, a frat star. Yeah. Like, has it just totally sucked or what since yeah. then? Well, oh, my God. Sobriety has been the best thing I could have done for myself. I mean, I have so much fun in sobriety. Yeah, And, you, um, you know, as long as I have a relationship with God— and I'm doing the things that I need to be doing, whether it's in my 12-step work or, you know, just um, working with other people and, like, being altruistic. Like, if I'm in a good place spiritually and I'm close to God, I can go anywhere and have a good time. Like, right. I go, I can go to bars. I can go to nightclubs. I've partied my ass off in sobriety. I've gone yeah. to a hotel with 4,000 young alcoholics yeah. and drug addicts and just caused absolute chaos and in a healthy way. And walked around in a robe. Yeah, walked around in a robe. We've gone salsa dancing. Gone salsa dancing. Cliff diving. Yes. Cliff diving. I mean, and it's just like, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, when I was using and drinking, like, I wouldn't even remember anything after 6 p.m. Right. <laughs> so I, didn't, I, I didn't even remember the party. Yeah. I'd just wake up next to, I'd wake up next to some girl, and I'm like, "Who are you?" <laughs> yeah. Just like, would you say that life is better? It's not even a question. I mean, life is just absolutely phenomenal, and then life yeah. is just miserable. Mm, I was yeah. just a prey to misery and depression all the time. Yeah. You know. Sounds like it. And, you know, I just knew it just got to a point where I wasn't even getting high and getting drunk. I was just getting what I thought was okay. Yeah. You know, I want to speak into a couple things before we wrap it up. Um, You know, you've gotten sober young. (laughs) I've seen your journey. You've experienced quite a bit of awesomeness, amazingness, and an incredible, like, joy. But you've also experienced a lot of pain. Yeah. And, you know, you've had a lot of people close to you die. That's right. From this illness. Yeah. And you've stayed sober and you've continued to help others and you've continued to give back and be of service. Yeah. Thank you for touching on that. Yeah. It's been, it definitely has been, you know, the most rewarding thing that uh, God has blessed me with is sobriety. But like, you're right. You're right, Bri. Um, It's definitely been tough. Like once I got from 
from September 2014 until now, you know, I've lost four more of my best friends. Mm -hmm. So, like, in my group of high school friends, um, there were about seven of us who always hung out, and two of them are dead, you know? Mm -hmm. One of them died when he was 18, one of them died when he was 21. And, uh, you know, I've lost, you know, a 19-year-old, like, one of my best friends in a 12-step program Mm -hmm. in New Jersey, 19, heroin overdose, you know, uh, 25-year-old heroin overdose. My best friend just passed away, like, two months ago to a heroin overdose. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've, yeah, so in sobriety, I've lost four of my best friends, and being able to be there as a source of love and support and a pillow for their parents Mm. to, you know, shed their tears on during times of struggle um, has been absolutely the best thing I've been able to do. And uh, obviously I wish they were still around, but I know that they're in a much better place now. But you're you're right, Bri, like watching – you know, very, very close friends of mine pass away to the disease of addiction at such a young age. Um, it's it's scary because if I'm not doing the right thing spiritually for myself and if I'm not connected to to the God of my understanding, then that could be me. Mm. And it, as as much grief as it's caused, like that grief alone isn't what's going to keep me sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely has not been easy. But, wow. Yeah. But you do it anyway. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what it's all about. That's right, baby. You know, taking that burn, that that, that pain, using it as fire to mm-hmm. continue giving back. Yeah. Right? That's right. I love right. you, man. I love you, too. And, and that's one of the reasons we're here is, like, we've had a lot of friends, all three of us mutually, who've who've died, who've OD'd, who've, who've suffered from this same affliction that all of us have, and... You know, I think it's up to us to turn that pain into a purpose and to reach as many people as we can. Yeah, well, you guys are going to do it. I think this podcast is phenomenal. It's content worth listening to. Hell and, yeah, uh, baby. Why don't we uh, end it you. with uh, some nuggets, some jewels, yes, if you nuggets. will. Any 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 advice, Any anything you can offer someone? What do you Jordan, got for them? Those that are listening. Who's, who's hurting, who's sick, struggling, suffering. Who, who could just use a pick-me-up like that voicemail yeah. you got. Like what's what's some, yeah. some stuff you can give out? A mic drop. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, if you're struggling out there, just know that it's those who walk through the fire that can shine beams of light everywhere they go. And mm. it really does take a degree of darkness to be able to see the stars. Mm. And, you know, each and every one of you who are listening, you are the captain to your own ship. And whatever your belief system is, doesn't matter if you believe in a God right now, but there is some source of love that is supporting you. You know, I love you. And if you are the captain to your own ship and you're in your boat right now, you know, there might be some anchors that are holding you back so your boat can't sail anywhere. And you might feel chopped up by the waves all around you and all these things outside of you that are out of your control. But... If you take the right action and you distance yourself from negative people who are dragging you down and you get connected with a mentor, with someone who has what you want and you model their behavior and you do what they do, then that anchor will get unleashed and your boat will be able to sail forward off Mm. into victory, Mm. into the sunlight, 
And I promise you that it will happen. All you got to do is move. Take action. Boom. Boom. That's the end of the show. Jordan, folks. thank you so much. Appreciate you for being here. And all those listening, thank you for tuning in. This has been another wonderful episode of the Sober Life Audio, Audio Experience. Experience. Peace. Woo. Oh, my gosh, dude. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.